You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Made by Women, a new podcast by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs, fierce up-and-comers, and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA, designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Elizabeth Vasquez is a true expert in women's entrepreneurship. She's the CEO and co-founder of WeConnect, a nonprofit she created that connects women-owned businesses in more than 100 countries to buyers around the world. When she launched WeConnect more than a decade ago, there was no easy way for women entrepreneurs to sell their goods and services to large companies. So she created something new. Now, for as long as Elizabeth can remember, she's had a passion for helping women achieve their own economic independence. She was inspired by her mother, who raised money for train tickets from a yard sale to escape a difficult marriage and bring her children to the U.S. from Mexico. She experienced firsthand the importance of women having access to their own money. In the decades since, Elizabeth has earned a Master's of Arts in Law and Diplomacy from the Fletcher School at Tufts University. She served as a member of the UN Secretary General's High-Level Panel on Women's Economic Empowerment. She's co-authored the book, Buying for Impact, How to Buy from Women and Change Our World, and she has changed the lives of countless women. Elizabeth joins me today to discuss the ways our spending matters, the importance of supporting women-owned businesses, and what's making her optimistic. Enjoy our conversation. 
Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us. Kim, thanks so much for having me. I love your new show, Made by Women. Well, we always love to talk to you, Elizabeth. You have a pretty unique perspective on the world. Not only are you a woman creator creating uh, and starting We Connect, but you also really are in the business of supporting other women entrepreneurs around the world. So maybe we can just uh, take one step back. And for our listeners, can you describe what We Connect does? We Connect International is a pretty unique global nonprofit because it was created by many of the world's largest corporations. And these corporations want to find women-owned businesses that can provide them with innovative products and services. And now we're serving women-owned businesses in over 100 countries, as you noted, and they offer every type of product and service you can imagine. And we're connecting them to actual buyers and uh, helping to facilitate actual deal flow. So it's um, it's a really fun nonprofit to get to work with because you get to see um, measurable impact. Well, we, we met, uh, I think, almost a decade ago when you were just getting started with this incredible idea. Um, and I remember just being so inspired by your story. Um, so what led you to the point to create um, this really innovative nonprofit? I'm, I'm sure like everyone, <laughs> we all have stories. So when I was uh, very, very young, I was uh, born in Mexico and raised by my mom and dad and had a, a young sister. And my mom decided that that was not a, a healthy relationship for her. And so when my dad was at work, she basically sold her own stuff and had Mexico's first yard sale and raised enough money to be able to uh, buy train tickets for for uh, for her and for um, my sister and for me. And we uh, moved to Arizona, where my mother was from. And it dawned on me many years later that my mom's ability to be an entrepreneur is what fundamentally changed her life and changed my life. And so I just became hooked on this idea that if we can just get more women to scale businesses and create jobs for others and give us all solutions, that the world will just be a better place. Well, you know that we share this incredible passion for women's entrepreneurship and women's economic empowerment more generally. And I think you've touched on a few of the reasons why uh, it's so important for women individually to have that, that economic power. Why is, it, why is it good for communities? So we have seen, and this is, I personally have seen this, but there's also a lot of data coming out that women are, are huge contributors to their communities. Um, so they're helping to, they are the backbone of the care economy. They are the ones who are caring for community members on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and it's the reason why women as entrepreneurs are so uniquely positioned that if they have the resources and the knowledge and the networks to scale those businesses, not only do they anticipate the needs of the community because they are serving the community in so many ways, um, but they can actually come up with solutions that are scalable and that can have an impact um, in a way that 
everyone is healthier. Everyone is better educated. Um, everyone has more resources and more wealth. And so we just need to make sure that we don't have half our population sitting on the sidelines, um, but instead make sure that they are fully engaged um, in the entrepreneurial space so that our communities are more resilient, especially in situations like we have now with COVID-19. So we know that women invest something like 90% of their earnings back into their community, and it has this uh, multiplier effect. So, you know, it's so interesting for me to hear you talk about that and how, you know, investing in women's entrepreneurship then really is an investment in your community. So you're doing this kind of at scale. So I want to take you back to how you came up with this concept of connecting companies, large companies to women entrepreneurs. And, and what about... Um, what about that concept really drove you? So it's it's interesting because I knew I, I was interested in the role of women in, in society and in the economy, but it wasn't until that first Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development conference where I realized that there are are women out there who own businesses who weren't frankly waiting around for me, who were just <laughs> doing these amazing things. And I wanted to be a part of that. Like I wanted to learn from them and I wanted to make sure that they have every opportunity um, to, you know, make their, their vision and their dreams a reality. And so I started working with a nonprofit, talking with uh, various women-owned businesses, all sizes, all sectors, all geographies, cities, rurals, and asking them, what is it that you want and need to be able to grow into scale? And without exception, and this is at a time when everything was focused on microfinance, which of course is important, right? Access to capital. But the, the truth is, we're never going to lend ourselves out of poverty. There has to be wealth creation. There has to be value add. There has to be products and services that people are willing to pay for in a sustained way over time. And so when I asked these women, what is it you want most? What is it? Is it, is it technology as an entrepreneurial enabler? Is it access to data? Is it finance? Um, what is it that, that you need to be successful? And without exception, the one thing that they all want most is to sell their stuff. Like right. literally, that's why an entrepreneur wakes up in the morning is because it's, and I don't care if it's passion or necessity or both. They need to be able to move inventory and deliver services, but there was almost nothing out there to help them with that. And that's when the idea of WeConnect um, came, came into being. So, so the concept is give women access to markets by bringing huge buyers to them. Um, and these huge buyers being companies? That's the funny thing. There was a model in the United States. This is, you know, 15 years ago. And we kept promoting this, this model where the buyers created a network, a nonprofit to find women-owned businesses, actually certify or verify that they are 51% or more owned, managed, controlled by women so that you're sure that money actually goes to the women and then they decide how to spend that money. Um, this was a model in the United States and we kept promoting it all over the world. Um, and it, it just, it wasn't taking. People weren't picking up what what, what I was putting down. <laughs> so uh, we worked with the WeBank organization in the U.S. and we said, look, you know, there's this huge opportunity outside of the U.S. A couple years later, and, and ultimately their board decided 
to focus on the U.S. market because there's so much happening and so much need in the U.S. market. But they said, look, if our members, if our corporate members want to create another entity, sort of like a partner or sister organization that we're not, you know, legally or financially responsible for. But if you guys want to create that, then yeah, we'll work together um, as sort of sister organizations. And so the a lot of this happened really because of the corporations that were involved in this U.S. nonprofit. They self-organized, created a global business committee within the organization. And they said, yeah, we want to create a new entity to have this mission of connecting women-owned businesses with buyers and certifying that they're women-owned. And so they said, okay, Elizabeth, we want you to set up the legal structure. Um, we want you to, you know, raise the funding. We want a pilot in the UK, then a pilot in Canada and have China and uh, India lined up. And, you know, at the time I was like, oh, OK, because I was <laughs> I was the one saying, why aren't we doing more in access to markets? And so careful what you wish for. Right. Because they're like, OK, <laughs> go for it. And so I set up my kitchen table. And, you know, went to work with um, great partners, great corporations. They're the founders. Um, I got to, you know, do the legal incorporation and and work with them um, to really make that vision that they had for a global network of buyers and sellers possible. And it's just, it's been a really crazy ride um, that I, I just can hardly believe I have um, I was selected to be a part of that. So I feel very fortunate. Well, so did you know that you had the entrepreneurial spirit yourself? I mean, you've basically started a global organization, as you said, from your kitchen table. Did you know you had that in you or were you surprised yourself to find find that you were uh, leaning into starting your own organization? So I had um, started a business before uh, WeConnect. So I knew that I knew how to do it, how to incorporate, how to how to promote, how to get customers. But I really look back because often entrepreneurs, they say, are, um, are, are, you know, they're kind of born with this entrepreneurial spirit or they're born into a family of entrepreneurs. And I, my family was entrepreneurial, right, out of necessity. And I was entrepreneurial, I thought, out of necessity. So with no money, right, single mom, two kids, um, no no great sources of income. Uh, you know, her birthday, my mom's birthday would come or Christmas would come. And so my sister and I would sell our stuffed animals, um, our, create our own yard sales, um, not really realizing the connection to when we were really little when my mom wow. had to do that. But so um, washing cars, um, mm-hmm. babysitting, you know, everything that you can possibly think of, we did when we needed to raise money. So leveraging entrepreneurialism um, when you need it um, also teaches you so many lessons about how to get comfortable knocking on doors, taking no <laughs> for an answer, um, and and then waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. So uh, yeah, I, it turns out I did have history in being entrepreneurial, but I didn't think of it that way. As a kid, it was just something you did because you wanted to buy a gift for your mom. So, so some of the things that you just kind of casually mentioned are, are such important lessons. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, what are the things that you feel that you've either skills you've built um, or, or skills that you feel women entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur should, should really have? You mentioned, for example, knocking on doors and getting comfortable with no. Um, why is that so important? You have to be really passionate about what you're doing. You have to really, there has to be a good reason, a motivating factor, whatever that is, a, a love of what the solution you're trying to provide to the world 
or it could be the love of, you know, needing to pay your bills. Whatever it is um, that motivates you, you have to really accept that, embrace it, and use it not in a negative way, but channel it in a very positive way. And I like, you know, coming back to COVID 19, I think there's so many women entrepreneurs around the world that we get to work with who have done massive pivots within their businesses to be able to survive and thrive in such a challenging environment um, to start delivering things that they, you know, didn't have a lot of experience with, but now they're sort of the um, go-to company in their area for things like, um, you know, masks or hand sanitizers or mental health support or training or um, media crisis management or, you know, there's a long list of things that, that women are doing um, to, to meet the needs, anticipate and meet the needs of their local communities, but also have an offering that brings in revenue so they can keep their people employed. So in this moment or in, in moments in your past, how do you overcome those very difficult times? Because as you said, there are times when it's, it's really challenging and the struggle is pretty real. What do you tell yourself to get through those times? So the first thing I do is what I did just now. I take a deep breath, literally, <laughs> literally in every way <laughs> you That's slow a great down idea. to be able to speed up <laughs> and you just take a deep breath and you become comfortable with what is very uncomfortable. You become comfortable with the unknowns and embrace them as opportunities that look, I don't know what's going on, but a lot of other people don't know what's going on either. So I have an opportunity to try to anticipate the needs of those around me and come up with some solutions. And in doing that, people are willing to pay for value. And then there's a whole lot that can be done just with being kind to each other and, and, and being comfortable with being a role model and saying, I don't have all the answers, but here's what I'm trying. And to share that with others, that's such a gift. And what you're doing by telling people's stories is such a gift because then I don't have to make those mistakes and I don't have to dream those visions that others have provided. I can learn from all of that and then take those little bits and pieces, those little bits of gold dust, and try to apply it to my work and to my life. And so I, I think all of those things really matter in a time when everyone is looking for support. So many of us, we feel so isolated at times. Um, but the truth is, there's more going on now than ever. We're leveraging technology to connect with each other in ways we've never been able to connect. Um, and, you know, relative to human history, it's pretty amazing. So those are some of the things that I, I try to... Um, look at look at things as an opportunity as bad as it is. You know, it's so many things you just said um, really resonated with me. And I, I was thinking that, first of all, I couldn't agree more that getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think my mother gave me that piece of advice at some point mm-hmm. in my life. And that was one of the best pieces of advice she gave me because it is so, so, uh, so hard sometimes. And there's so many things that happen in life and everybody's life has ups and downs. But especially in entrepreneurship, if you can get comfortable pushing yourself and knowing that it's not going to be comfortable all the time, that really changes the way you think about your work because then you can kind of uh, get used to that feeling. And like you said, asking for things is not always comfortable or, you know, taking new risks is not always comfortable. 
But the other thing that you said, which really resonated with me, is is this concept of being of kindness. And I think sometimes when you're uncomfortable, you kind of it's easy to sort of um, move into sort of being reactionary or being maybe less kind. Being short. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if, it's kind of an interesting combination, what, what you just said, which is, you know, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, that helps you actually to make sure that you continue to be the kind of person and to be kind, to be the kind of person that you can be proud of every day. And so that, that was really interesting for me, Elizabeth. Thank you for that. And I, I think that's going to help a lot of people. Don't you feel like this moment in time brings you back to the basics, like the things that, that our parents taught us? Yeah. Um, the fundamentals of what they taught us in, in kindergarten, you know, be <laughs> kind, have fun, enjoy yeah. each other, go out and play. I mean, all of those things, <laughs> all of those things really matter in this moment. And my, 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 it's funny, my daughter's friend said to her, um, and she shared with me, she said, what if, what if this moment in time are the good old days? <laughs> Like, this is what we will remember when we were all together and having time to think and play and enjoy. While there is great anxiety and there are plenty of people who it's impossible to enjoy when they can't pay their bills because they can't work. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, But to the degree we're able to become really creative and help each other, the potential for building a much better world, a much more inclusive world, a much more thoughtful and kind world. Um, I, I think this is a, a moment where we ha- where we're all forced to re- rethink and re- and re-remember and reimagine what is it we really want out of life, and exactly. and how do we create that new world. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think this is a reset moment where we can kind of take a step back. We were forced to take a deep breath in a way and and kind of think about why are we doing what we're doing? Not just what we're doing, but why are we mm-hmm. doing it? And I think yes. I think if we can do that um and I and I do think women entrepreneurs um they have that feeling a lot um but we have this kind of unique moment where we could think about what what we've talked about before in the past is what is our purpose? I mean, why are we doing what we're doing? Because uh, it's so exactly. easy to do more, more, more. Um, but I think COVID has caused us all to think a little bit differently, and and hopefully it sticks with us. To your to your daughter's point, <laughs> no, right? Like I really believe that that now is when we get to rebuild and we get to reimagine what does success look like? What does what do business systems look like? Um, what do relationships, personal? business, um, political, what do all those things look like? What do we want them to look like? And then what's even more exciting is that women have um, significant control over the world's resources, Um, you know, making the majority of purchasing decisions and influencing others who, who men who are making purchasing decisions and 20 trillion in, in purchasing power globally, you know, how we spend our money actually really matters. It says a lot about who we are and what we care about. And we have to ask the basic questions. Am I spending any of that money on the things I care about or the people I care about? So if women are spending money with other women, let's say we just spend tomorrow, all of us decide 10% of our money is going to go to other women. That still leaves 90% 90 with our current spend, mostly with men. So fine for now. But let's just say 10%, right? That's $2 trillion into the hands of women tomorrow, this year. 
that yeah. we then decide how we want to rebuild and how we want to invest it. So I, I, we're so powerful. I, we always talk about women's economic empowerment or women's empowerment, but we are so powerful. We just have to get comfortable with it, step into it, embrace it, leverage it. This idea that we could shop and buy from women owned and really change the nature of economies and the nature of trajectories for, for women and men um, is such an incredible thought. And I'm, I'm so glad you reminded us of that because I think for all of us, including all of our listeners, this idea that you could intentionally shop from women-owned um, and that that would have that positive multiplier effect both um, on women's lives, but also on our communities, on our economies. I mean, it is truly the great accelerator. And we often talk about how sort of the biggest, uh, the biggest market in the world is not China or India, but that, it, that it's women and that's the biggest emerging market in the world. So we are so grateful uh, to you for what you're doing. I mean, you're working with thousands and thousands of women-owned businesses in a hundred countries. That's an incredible, uh, an, an incredible responsibility, and I think there's nobody better suited for it. Thank you, Kim. Really, um, it's not possible without great partners and and your generosity and leadership um, in you know sharing with the world the fact that these resources exist. We Connect's not the only one. Um, but I do hope that if you're a woman entrepreneur and you want to get involved in this movement, that you go to WeConnectInternational.org. The women outside of the U.S. can self-register for free. So there's no barrier to being a part of this this movement. And, and we work with partners just, you know, like Made by Women and many other uh, organizations all over the world, the World Bank Group, the United Nations, lots of associations of women business owners, there's chambers of commerce. All of us are trying to build an ecosystem that is more inclusive, more friendly, so that everyone um, contributes and benefits. So it's, um, I'm optimistic. We can literally at this moment decide to rebuild our systems and change hearts and minds and remember what's important and pivot how we spend our money. Um, it will transform potentially overnight what the future looks like if we choose to take action. And what I love about how we spend our money is it's something that ed- anyone can do, right? We're not trying to create an investment fund. We're not trying to raise billions of dollars um, through a multilateral. We're not trying to get corporations to make huge donations. I mean, the, the people and the organizations that, um, uh, that, that benefit from the work of the people, we all have an opportunity to rethink and then take action. I think that's the key, right? It's not just rethinking. It's actually taking action and spending our money on the things that, that we value and that we care about. So um, I'm hoping more, more people, especially those listening to this, will take action. Um, and uh, just starting today, make sure that you're spending some of your money with, with women. Well, Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you will join us again on Made by Women, and uh, and we really look forward to continuing to support WeConnect. I want to thank Elizabeth for the heartfelt and inspiring conversation. Three pieces of advice from Elizabeth really had an impact on me. First, slow down to speed up. I love that message for tough times. When we pause and take a deep breath, we can look at our situation with fresh eyes, revisit our game plan, and take advantage of the opportunities before us. Second, get comfortable with no, or as Elizabeth says, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Try new things and admit up front you don't have all the answers. By accepting your limitations and sharing both your successes and failures, everyone can learn and advance. Lastly, 
put your money where your values are. And if your values include supporting other women, make sure you're allocating some of your budget to buying from women-owned. It can literally change the world. Have a great week. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.